I don't think I would have kept going as long as I had, especially after a couple of the health issues that I had and the things that I had gone through. I was in a super dark place and things, I was on the verge of just burning it all down, you know, and it, and it takes that someone that can pull you out from those depths and show you again, like, hey, like, this is what you're meant to do. You've gotten past this. You're 50 years old now. Um, you made it. Like that dream of like, hey, I want to be a creative in my life. Like, hey, you you made it. So keep doing it until you can't. Welcome to the Creative Tax Podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artist makers and content creators where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram, I'm at MikeBone, or on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. Hey, I'd love for you to stop by DailyCreativeHabit.com. I've created several resources with you in mind as a creative person. First, there's a link to our free private Facebook group called Daily Creative Habit. It is filled with creatives of all types who have raised their hands to say, I want to show up more consistently for my creativity and craft. And so if that's you, we would love to see you as part of this group. There's also a link to receive our free Daily Creative Habit email newsletter. This goes out twice a week and is filled with resources and inspiration and daily prompts for you as a creative person to make sure that you keep showing up every single day for your creativity. And lastly, there's a link out to the new Daily Creative Habit Guided Creativity Journal. And this is something that I'm really excited about because it's a 90-day journey that you can go on that guides you to plan and show up for your creativity and help you track and help you measure and figure out exactly what it is that you want to do and how you want to do it. This is available right now through Amazon.com. Hey, I have a treat for you this week. The creative chat comes from my very own backyard. That's right, a local visual artist and musician, Kevin Von Holterman. He is someone who actually lives in the same complex as me. We have been uh, kind of weaving in and out of each other's orbits for a little bit here. And uh, he has a gallery that's local. I've seen his band play um, First Class Creeps. Great stuff. Uh, you're going to really enjoy this creative chat because Kevin not only lets you in on why he creates things and what he's hoping to accomplish, but uh, he's just real. Um, he talks about his journey as a creative person. He talks about his struggles, uh, both just with the creative process and journey, as well as just the mental health things. And uh, we just have a really great time hanging out, chatting, and it's like we're at our local coffee house, drinking some coffee and just talking all things creativity. So this is part one of my creative chat with him because I know that there's so much good stuff in here that I don't want you to miss it. And um, us creative types, we like to talk. <laughs> so uh, instead of making this episode uh, well over an hour, I decided to cut it down to two parts. So without further ado, here is part one of my creative chat with Kevin Von Holderman. 
Well, hey, Kevin, welcome to the Creative Chats podcast. I'm excited that you're here. You know, we were just talking, man, we live in the same complex, and yet to try to get this off the ground, <laughs> it was a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, everything's been a little crazy and up in the air. <laughs> yeah. Dude, well, I'm excited that you're here. Um, yeah. I love that Thanks that you're having. you're in the neighborhood. You're you're local. Um, I think the the first time that I encountered you was um, I think it was because your gallery, and I was like, oh wow, like who's this guy, and and what's he's got really colorful art, and I'm like, he just seems like somebody who's like a cool dude, and I was like, I need to find out more about this guy. <laughs> so that's funny because that's a common. Um, that's a common thing when I meet people because I'm a little bit elusive because I'm pretty, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm all reclusive, but I'm a little bit reclusive. So that's kind of the first thing that people would say, like one of my good friends, um, this guy, Ben, he, when he was, uh, when he was looking to like meet me and now we're great friends, and he'd be like, man, I would, I would come by and be like, who is this guy? Like, <laughs> who is this guy? Like, I want to meet him. I want to, I want to see his art. So yeah, I, I kind of get that a lot. And it's, it's nice that when I finally do meet people, it's, um, it, I'm met with a, you know, a, a warm welcome and a, you know, an understanding of my elusive Bigfoot nature. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it's funny because so much of what you do, like visually, you you have a style that's very attention grabbing, right? Um, bold colors and just a lot of energy that you bring to your work. And then even music, which we'll talk about a little bit too, but musically, you know, you're there, you have such a presence and, and there's a uh, there's this rock and roll that just comes through. And so I think the perception is probably that like you're this, you know, rock and roll guy who's in there just like ready to like you know <laughs> that's a good point man yeah, yeah it's just totally good because that perception of like yeah I'm, I'm gonna bust out of the door and be like like david lee roth like exactly welcome yeah yeah. So, you know, it's it's uh, we're we're complex beings, uh, especially as creative people. Um, yeah. And I think it's not always uh, what you see is what you get on the surface level, for sure. Um, Very. But true. Uh, I would love to just find out a little bit more. And this is you know, this is great because even just for friendship and just curiosity and, and learning more yeah, about man. you. But just, uh, you know, we've had fleeting conversations here and there and at a local and they've coffee all been shop. great, by the way. Yes. Yes. I've, I've always I enjoyed every conversation we've had. Yes, I agree. Um, but I, I want to fill in some gaps, even just, you know, selfishly, uh, just so sure. that I have a, sure, a better likewise. understanding of Kevin, the creative, you know. Um, so uh, when was the first time that you remember doing something that was creative? Like, was it visual art? Was it music? Like, what, what were your creative activities as a kid that told you you were a creative person? The The first one that is always really, you know, stands at the forefront um is definitely musically um I, I would draw in things as a kid but early on i was about five years old um i had two cousins i still have two cousins um <laughs> my two cousins tommy and jimmy they were kiss fanatics and i was five, six, seven, it was about 1978 so mm -hmm. kiss was at its like height it was like everything so they were like um you know you have to check out these records and like they were taboo to me like you'd open them up and like you'd look at them and like my dad like thought they were insane like you know you're five or six years old like, <laughs> right 
what is you're not listening to this so you know that made it all all the more alluring to me as a young child so they um they had a band it was just the two of them and i'll loosely call it a band because it was like my cousin built a whole replica of peter chris's drum set out of cardboard duct tape and spray paint (laughs) and he had this thing in their garage and my cousin jimmy had this little like guitar it was the worst guitar and it had like this tiny amp and they would jam in there so i i would go in there and i would bang on and 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 mess around with everything and then like two years later he finally got this amazing huge drum set and i remember being there with my parents and my my uncle um owned a sporting goods store in staten island Mm -hmm. and it was a it was in an old supermarket so the front of it was all you know sporting goods and guns and crazy so it was like business in the front party in the back because you go in the <laughs> back and my cousins had taken over and in one of these old storage rooms which used to be like a giant cold room my uh my aunt says go in the back and go see tommy's new drum set and i was like all right cool and i i it's so vivid i creep down this long hallway and it's kind of dark and I'm looking for the light and I turn it on and the light turns on and it's got these bright supermarket lights. So it lights up the drum set and the drum set is like, <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit. And like, I'm banging on it and stuff. And then I look over by the door and like my parents were like peeking in, like trying to not be seen. But like, you could see my mom's face was like, whoa. My dad was like, whoa. So I didn't know this. My dad always wanted to be a drummer hmm. and he never got his set of drum set. He never got a set of drums. He got a pair of bongos. Like his parents were like, we're not playing yeah, drums. Yeah. <laughs> but he got me a set of drums, a drums that Christmas. And they were a, um, it was a Bugs Bunny drum set. And it had a, the bass drum was shaped in, in the form of a carrot. And I played, <laughs> I played this thing like for two months. I wrecked it. He got me another one. It wasn't even a holiday or anything. He got me another one out of the Sears Roebuck. And that was like a plastic on plastic looked real, but really kind of was it. Mm-hmm. And um, I played that and broke it. And um, then he got me a little tiny three piece Slingerland from one of his friends. And he brought it back from like Easton PA or somewhere on the back tied to the back of his tractor trailer on the trailer. So <laughs> it like, come, cause he was a truck driver. So I got to grow up playing all these crazy, you know, big rigs and things like that. So he brings it home and I put it in the basement and that Christmas, my mom got, and I played through kiss songs and I tried to, but the first song that I learned all the way through that I thought I was fucking bad. Oh, sorry. thought I was badass was summer of 69 eventually by Brian Adams. Like I fast forwarded mm-hmm. from kiss and then it was like, I was like, Oh, whoa. And I played this thing. And like, I remember the tears coming out of my eyes as I was like back there. And like that feeling, I was like, what is this feeling? I'm not that I'm thinking, not that I was thinking like so deeply then, but I remember sitting there and being like, why am I crying? Mm -hmm. You know? And then like, I would tell my friend Stan and like, he was in fifth grade and then him and I, and then he got a guitar. Then we started a band called scrape and uh, we thought we were cool. You know, we were kids. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then he had a brother who smoked, hot but they called it reefer back then so then stan's like let's change the name to reefer and i'm like okay (laughs) let's do it 
you know, we didn't know what we were doing. We just sat right, there right. and played. So that that was the first creative dive in where and that first band and kind of looking at someone else and and having this creative, you know, energy where you both understand what's going on and you're mm-hmm. you're talking you're talking without actually there just no words. There's it's all feeling. So that yeah. that was the first that was the first time. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible when you have that chemistry and you lock into something musically and it's it is that um unspoken thing that just takes over and when you get into that groove and when you you learn to respond together and you become something that's individual parts but a whole that's bigger um it's a very cool yes. thing because i used to play in a band too and so <clears throat> i know that I've feeling seen the well pictures, man. I've seen those <laughs> yes but you it was great like that was we would have been in a band totally if yeah, i yeah, bet yeah. you we would have been like let's do it yeah like i like your hair i would be like i like your hair <laughs> yes <laughs> like your jacket cool <laughs> doesn't even matter if you can't play it's true it's true well t- the funny thing is that actually <laughs> The reason why I ended up learning how to play guitar was because we used to do these things called air bands and it was, you know, like in junior high and my friends were all like, let's do an air band. And so we did this, you know, lip syncing air band thing. And then we were like, this is cool. We need, we should learn how to play real instruments. And so we all just kind of called dibs on an instrument. And then I was like, I'm playing guitar. I don't care. And so that's how I learned how to play guitar was just through that interest of doing because of an air band with a broom. <laughs> That is so awesome. And like looking back on that is it's really priceless. Yeah, totally. When you look totally. back at those things and 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 those people that you're connected to and like I don't know if you still talk to those same guys. Mm-hmm. Do you? You do? Yep. yep. And, and that's just the thing like and, and you had bands after that? Yeah, yeah, I mean it, different iterations, but yeah. Right. But those guys, it's it's almost like I try to explain it to my girlfriend a little bit and she totally understands, but it's, it's weird for, for it to come out of my mouth where I'm like, those, those people in those bands are, were kind of like girlfriends. It's <laughs> just becomes, you know, it's not, it's a romantic relationship, but it's creatively because you start mm-hmm. to trust each other and you're building this thing and there's the fights and there's the love and there's the tension and there's all of the things that encompass a, a beautiful relationship you know, because, you know, there's the whole, the whole gamut of, of emotions that go into any relationship. Yeah, totally. But being totally. with those guys, like I still like the last band that I was in the, the creeps, um, first class creeps, that was a journey, um, that I never thought was going to happen again. Like we were mm-hmm. all separated. I would talk about them and those days to my girlfriend and I, and since I had been doing art, like her and I were together, we're together 10 years now, but it was like seven years at that point. And she's like, you've never really played in front of me. Like you, you play me all these songs and mm. you've recorded. And it was just like, I left it over there. Cause it was like kind of painful and I didn't want to start it up again mm-hmm. and go through that journey. But yeah, those guys, you always remember. And yeah. it's, and I was, I was blessed enough, you know, during COVID to reconnect under the craziest of, circumstances that shouldn't even have happened but we did and you know we are taking a tiny break right now to assess life and adulthood mm-hmm. and uh but really blessed to be able to uh to do that so it's it, it, as you kick this podcast off it throws me into this sentimental thing because yeah. you're starting right off with music and it, it's without that music and 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 without that bond of of everything with 
with those guys that you share that that bond with i wouldn't even really be here painting i would have never opened up the door yeah well that that's that is a good segue because i want to find out like so how did visual art come into the picture for you if if so much of it was concentrated on music early on were there little moments where you're like dabbling with visual art or like what is what's the journey look like for you from younger to now hey you're full-on in invested you have a gallery you're you're an artist you know visual artist right yeah that's um um the it i did dabble in it and i there there are a few points like within the musical journey where where it happened um you know growing up and everything it, it really would first start with um hey uh can one of you guys draw like we have a band like one of our bands was called doom deadly overdose of metal it was it stood for <laughs> and it's still best name ever like i don't know why no one ever came out with that like it's be amazing but um and then it was um you know we were all america themed and we, we were in like seventh grade sixth grade and i would draw the album covers and it was like, oh, Kev, you could draw a little bit. You you draw one. And I'd be like, all right, cool. And then like, you know, drawing it on my pants and then the draw making jean jackets and like, oh, this is pretty cool. But it, it wasn't until like later because it's funny because I took art class in high school and failed. I just hmm. it was just a constant fail. Like, and then I couldn't even take it anymore. And it's ironic because one of my art teacher is now like follows me on Facebook and like we joke about it. Like she's like, I, I can't believe it. Like you, you never wanted to do the work. And now I see why, like, I didn't want to shade the apples. I didn't want to shade the mm-hmm. things. Like I would come over and I would have like Metallica drawn, you know, or crudely painted. She'd be yeah. like, you can't, it's an F. Like I'd like you as a person, but you failed. Yeah. So around the time um, when I was in the bands and doing those things in music, yeah, it was a hundred percent all go. There was no, like, this isn't going to work out. Like this is what I'm going to do with my life. Mm-hmm. And um, we were in a band and I met a guy who was a sound engineer for the show in New York city called Miss Saigon. Mm-hmm. So he had a band and we were playing in New York and all that kind of stuff. And he had a pretty popular band called Like Birds. And he came to our apartment and I had a sketchbook of pastels, 18 by 24. And I would just do all these different things. And he's leafing through them. He's like, you're, you're doing these? And they were all abstract and weird characters and things yeah. like that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just messing around. He's like, these are amazing. Will you design our next album cover? So I got to work. I designed it. It was like, you know, a guy playing the guitar, like, and then like he was looking over and then on the end of his guitar was a bird, but it had his face. And it was like, <laughs> you know, singing back to him and he was, he loved it. So they wound up using that. And um, that kind of like put me on the thing of like, I like doing this, but I'm not going to take it too seriously. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'll kind of fast forward to where the to get to the meat and potatoes of the uh, of the subject. Um, fast forward years into my early, then my late twenties. I'm living in Philadelphia, and I would dumpster dive, like not diving into the dumpster, mm-hmm. but I would walk around all the time in the city, and people would throw stuff out. I'd be like, "Wow, that's really cool. That's cool." One time, I found an amplifier, took it to the pawn shop, got six hundred bucks for it. I was like, "This <laughs> is awesome. I'm going to keep looking." <laughs> 
<laughs> so someone threw out some paint. Um, it was like a, a waste basket, like laundry basket full. They were doing a apartment clean out. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I think I'll take, I'm going to take that back to the apartment. And then I passed a theater where they were throwing away the backdrops. It was like wooden with like stretched fabric over it. Mm-hmm. And I brought those back to the apartment and started painting on them and making things and uh, which I still have. Um, and that was kind of it. I made like 15 paintings in that apartment. And then I was working in a hair salon as an assistant. Um, it was a shampoo man at that point, not a shampoo boy. Cause I was so, <laughs> so much older. So it was a common joke. It was like, you can't even call yourself shampoo boy anymore. It's just, you're a man. Now. <laughs> um, my boss came into my apartment and she was like, where did you get these paintings? I'm like, um, I do these. And she's like, you do? I'm like, yeah. She's like, and you're hiding them here in this small, filthy apartment. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, she's like, well, why don't you bring them to the salon and put them on the wall? And I'm like, you think? She's like, uh, yeah, I really think so. I think you have something going here. I'm like, okay. So after that, I, you know, procrastinated. Surprise. I procrastinated for like <laughs> two or three weeks. And then, you know, all the time I'm making more. I'm like, oh, well, I can't bring this one. So I brought them all and she was like, hang them all up. I had 30. She's like, she's like, hang them all up. This is in the middle of Center City, mm-hmm. like 14th and Art Street, Center City, Philadelphia, like in this building attached to this new amazing hotel in this salon. So I said, all of them? She's like, make this whole entire place your gallery. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow. Oh, okay. And she's like, and that little sign that you've been making, make it and put it on the front of the door underneath the salon sign. I'm like, you can't do that. She's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Like until someone busts us, put it there. I'm (laughs) like, all right, cool. I'll do it. So I did it, hung them all up. And, you know, she was amazing. Like she, her name was Wendy Weinstein. And she, she was like the, the biggest cheerleader for my work. She was like, I didn't like it. She loved it. I was shy. Well, she wasn't. She took my paintings, put them on her station where she would do hair, covering the mirror when a client came in. So when the client came in, they sat down and they're like, oh, wow, Wendy, that's really cool. Who did that? Kevin. Kevin paints these. They're all in the salon. So she mm-hmm. did that to like almost every one of her clients mm-hmm. to where her clients started to be interested in my art. And they were like, how much? So then I got my first sale. It was 400 bucks. And I literally was taking these four, four $100 bills and like looking at them, like, I cannot believe this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is like a whole week at that point of my hair work after the percentage split. I'm like, this is, right. this is awesome. So I was, uh, I was pretty hooked at that point and she just kept at it. And she, I was there for about three years and I was selling work and I was selling it to my clientele because she was building my book and feeding me clients and it was going. So in my mind, I was like, this is really great. That's really what I think I'm going to do. Like my brother was a hairstylist. Maybe we'll open up a salon and we'll put a gallery in it. So I started kind of throwing my back out, like working long hours and it was going to the chiropractor. Then I had a cane and like 
I'm hobbling around from like doing hair and like, um, she came up to me and she said, Kev, I'm going to close this salon, this location in a year. I said, okay, where are you going? She's like, I'm going to Mount Airy. I said, oh, okay. She's like, you have two choices, three choices. You could either follow me there and continue working. Um, she goes, but I, you look miserable. Not that, and she quickly, she was like, you look miserable. Not that you're not great at hair. You're a great hairstylist. Mm -hmm. She's like, but it, I think you should try to do art full time. And I was like, I can't do that. Like, I don't, I don't even really have much savings. Like, I, I can't. She's like, I'll tell you what I'll do. And I was like, okay, all ears. So she said, for the next year, instead of me taking fifty percent, keep a hundred percent of what you make in the salon. Mm -hmm. But the deal is, after that year, when I close this, you go and be a full time artist. And use that money. And then she quickly joked. She's like, if you don't, then I'm taking the 50% back. <laughs> and at the end of that year, it was even kind of before that year, I kind of started to dip out. And she went and moved on to that next salon. And I, I moved on as full-time art. Hmm. And that's, I haven't looked back. I do still renew my hair license every year, just in case. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because, hey, um, but yeah, that's, that's how it started. And that's, that's the journey of where I'm at now. I really, I really do owe a ton of that um, to her as far as starting my, my art career, as far as me opening a gallery, like on my own, like here in Flemington, that was all my dad. My mm -hmm. dad was pretty, pretty much the one that pushed for me to open up the first one in Flemington. Mm -hmm. I love that. I, I want to highlight a couple of things in this, in what you shared. Um, <clears throat> you know, first off, the fact that you were taking things that you found that people were throwing away and you're turning around and redeeming those things yeah. or making them have a, a second life. And yes. I love that you, I think there's still that ethos in your work, you know, that the sense of um, groundedness and um, <clears throat> kind of, using things that that either you find or you make or you like it's it's very um relatable and redemptive in in the work that you do i think so I, it's cool to see and hear that that was like the origin of a lot of this stuff and that you've kept that and that that's a thread that runs through um and the other thing is that you know i think everyone has at least one person maybe a few people in their lifetime where there's such belief that's spoken into you yeah. and such opportunity that follows if you're open to that and if you're willing to step out and even when you can't see what the other person's seeing in you to trust them and go okay they obviously are seeing something they they believe in me i want to honor that and yes of course it's something i'd love to do but not letting fear jump in the way and derail that because i think it's very easy and at that point it could have been very easy for you to say you know i can't do this at full-time living i mean sure sure you know that's crazy and and for the voices of uh imposter syndrome right to creep in to go yeah. still have it <laughs> yeah right <laughs> I, I, it's true i think as creative people we we always battle with that to some degree because it's always a new level right <clears throat> yeah there's always something else 
Uh, and if we're not careful, we can compare ourselves too to people around us and, and pedigrees and all the rest of the stuff that a lot of times people say, yeah. you have to have this, even, even that part of your story, right? You're talking about school and failing out of art classes. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, man, of course, because you're, you're a rock and roll spirit. You don't want to jump through hoops. You, right. you know what you want to do and you have the talent to do it. It's just that you don't want to, to do it in a certain way that someone has said, here are the hoops you have to jump through if you want to be a part of this. And you're like, nah, man, I'm going to blaze my own trail, right? Yeah, yeah it wasn't in a cocky way. It, no, 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 it, but it, I think that spirit is just be. there. Yeah. It was just more of like, I can't I can't follow your directions. Like, yeah. I, And it's still even to this day with like, uh, I'll shoot photography. My brother, he knows how the camera works in and out. And mm -hmm. it's like he jokes, like, I, my brain does not work in these, like, small, minute steps. Like, once I can put my hand on it and I know the muscle memory, I can get yeah. there. But to, like, set it, like, I just let it roll. I'm like, and I'm, like, spinning buttons at the end and, like, making the photo how I see it in my eye or, or, or the art. And it's um, it's just the way it is. I couldn't follow directions with, with the insane ADHD. It's mm -hmm. just not a... I wanted to touch on one thing about that fear and things like that. And also, you know, just to give a, a quick shout out, I also would not have been continuing every year I go through this thing and my girlfriend, Robin, who is a, a, a godsend to me, um, not only does she know how to read me and navigate, I'm not the most... I'm a pretty complex guy. Mm -hmm. So she's been able to navigate and, and, and I guess that's the thing with a soulmate where it, it, it becomes where, you know, you can just read each other without saying anything and know how to navigate that person um, just to the fullest. And, and she is always there and it always blows my mind because I've had people I've been with in the past that either with the music or early on with the art, it was, you don't want to do that. It's a waste of time. Um, you know, you need to do something for money. Blah, 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 blah. She's been nothing but like, no, like you're not going to do anything else. Cause like every year after I do taxes and I'm starting there with a clean slate again, all right, now there's no sales. There's no opportunity. A few mm -hmm. maybe. Right. And I'm like, I'm going to jump back into hair. She's like, why don't you just continue to do your art? And I'll be like, okay. She's like, yeah. Like she just pushes me subtly without this, like, She's so supportive of what I'm doing. And it, it, it kind of, I don't think I would have kept going as long as I had, especially after a couple of the health issues that I had and, and the things that I had gone through. I was in a super dark place and things, I was on the verge of just burning it all down, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it takes that someone that can, pull you out from those depths and show you again like hey like this is what you're meant to do you've gotten past this you're 50 years old now mm -hmm. um you made it like that dream of like hey i want to be a creative in my life like hey you you made it so mm -hmm. keep doing it until you can't mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's without her, I don't think I would have continued even this long. So I, I wanted to add her to the list of, you know, people that have, you know, kept me going. They were the ones that gave me the start, but she's really the one that gives me the confidence to, to, to keep going, you know, especially mm -hmm. in, 
in uncertain times. It's like, just, just keep going. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'll do yeah. that. And she has to remind me of that, you know, weekly or maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.